0: back.
1: (音楽) We'll be right back. Kubrick's Universe, the Stanley Kubrick podcast.
2: 2020, the year that took years and took years off our lives. And with terrible sadness and personal grief, not lost to those of us in Kubrick's Universe, years away from far too many souls. 2020, that was the year that sucked. 2020, the year we avoided contact. Your friends at our Humble Podcast have had difficulty keeping up with providing new episodes, but not because of a shortage of great interviews or content but because of the very same things most everyone listening has had to contend with, because unforeseen circumstances and survival itself got in the way. In fact, we've had some fascinating interviews and great conversations with Kubrick scholars, collaborators, and fans during 2020. We are hanging on to them, archiving them, and working on getting them out to you just as soon as we can. In the past few years, the Kubrick's Universe team has put out a year in review edition, cultivated by our research. This time around, we're here to say,
3: and now for something completely different.
2: If 2020 was many, unprecedented things. It was also the year of remote video conferencing, the year of Zoom. Enter our intrepid Mark Lentz, media maestro and man of many kind deeds. Mark, along with two of the greatest and coolest Kubrick scholars, James Marinaccio and James Sherman, stepped up and orchestrated a very cool and brand new concept for us, the Kubrick Hour on Zoom as a way to keep enthusiasts connected during the most difficult year any of us can remember. So we present this unique concept and approach for us to our Year in Review episode for this go-around. What you're about to hear is the result of Mark and James's efforts to orchestrate A virtual roundtable discussion of the year in Kubrick News, 2020, with a moderated group of venerated enthusiasts. For this episode, we were privileged to have discussion among John Harrig, Mike Media Man, Mark McKinnon, Jorge Albaran Riquelme, Ian Roskow, Anne Strauss Weider, Max Rendon, Maria. Jerry First and our very own and very lovable Stephen Rigg We hope you enjoy this new idea. We're proud of it Just remember if you're on a zoom call with a Kubrick fan whom you've never met before and you feel put on the spot when they ask you, well what's your favorite food then? Simply reply, french fries and ketchup and you'll get along just fine
4: All right. Well, I guess we'll get started. So, yeah, this is our year in review. And the format is uh, James Sherman is going to read through the events of the year. And if you have a story that goes along with that event, uh, please share it at that time. So actually, uh, Stephen and I, uh, in January, we brought on some new mods to SCOS, And James Robert Sherman is one of them and uh they've really helped us a lot uh incredibly so so we want to thank them and and James also thank you for being such a reliable and cheerful co-host to this event uh any thoughts about being a mod now uh in scots
5: um Definitely kills the time in between my work meetings. So I see that as a positive thing. Okay. Uh, no, and, and just the exposure that I have, you know, being a mod, also being in on these meetings and stuff like that. and It's like the exposure to the different ideas uh, that I had not even realized. I, I point out only because Ian's most recent influence on me, but uh, Ian's, comments about the shining have just like like stra just blew my mind it has like changed completely the way i look at the movie the shining which i loved even before that and it's interesting that i saw a lot of things that 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 he'd mentioned that i had seen before but i had never made the connections and so the thing is that's just one element but it's great really what's fun is the saturday meetings and meeting you guys you guys have been great everybody here so yeah that's it's been fun
6: you know part of a group part of a team thanks, James. Thank you, James, from from, uh, Stephen here. Uh, Yeah, it's been fantastic that uh, I've been able to spend less time moderating SCAS. uh, Well, I've been winding down, actually, the last few years from being the only admin and the only member back in 2011 uh, to getting up to uh, 20,000 and basically James joining me back in about 2012 very early on it was James and, and be, so now being able to get Mark helping us and and you James and uh Steve I
5: was, gonna mention, Stephen, I was gonna mention real quick I'm sorry I believe I am the only person who has the Kubrick Scoss hoodie remember you was, you <laughs> sold me one of those and then you had to stop I don't know how many you sold two was two
4: and the yeah, other one the other one, Mark I have the a, other one. baseball shirt the really baseball say, shirt, yeah,
5: no, and I, mean, I have—I don't even wear it, dude. I mean, it's in my closet, like with plastic over it, so I make sure. I mean, it's like yeah. I'm keeping it forever. You know? It's a
6: relic.
4: It's
5: absolutely relic. Anyway, Steve, I'm sorry. I just, yeah, but I do remember when I joined up.
6: I can't remember receiving any money for those two uh, sweatshirts off you, <laughs> you. guys bought? No, we paid them. It you had to be, pay them. Might be two dollars waiting somewhere for me to collect <laughs>
7: for our commission.
5: Okay, what's next on the list here, Mark? Let's go down.
4: Yeah, well, actually, the first item is the Envisioning 2001 exhibit opens at the Museum of the Moving Image. Um,
8: So um, Barbara and uh, Wendell and uh, David Schwartz and Carl Goodman, this team has been uh, so welcoming to us in bringing this exhibition. And for us, it was really important to try to have Stanley Kubrick represented and recognized um, in New York. This is where he's from. The neighboring borough of the Bronx, of course, is where he grew up. Um, A lot of his early work was accomplished here as a photographer and as an emerging filmmaker. Um, The conversations with Arthur C. Clarke that happened around the development of 2001 happened in Manhattan when the family was living here. Um, And you can really see um, in the exhibition the dialogue that happened um, around this city um, and um, so, so for us to be back home here is fantastic. Um, the um, exhibition, the larger exhibition that Barbara referenced, the Stanley Kubrick um, touring show, has now been in 19 venues around the world. It has been seen by 1.8 million people so this is a pretty remarkable statistic and we think that uh, a lot of New Yorkers will be very interested in coming out and seeing This collection, we're very honored to always be working with the Stanley Kubrick Estate, uh, represented today by Jonathan Cameron, who's here, um, and of course the family. Katerina Kubrick is here with us. Um, Very often, her uncle Jan Harlan, who was uh, a producer in Stanley's team, and uh, his his brother-in-law is often with us. And unfortunately, he's in London and not able to join us today. But I do want to acknowledge him as a driving force to try to make sure that this exhibition comes to New York. Um, Another interesting New York fact that Tim Heppner told me is that there was a warehouse in New York uh, where the test footage was done for the Stargate sequence. Um, So there's so many tie-ins to this film and this city. Um, The programming also that you'll have the the advantage of having here in New York over the next six months is really rich and varied. We did a lot of this type of exploration when we hosted the exhibition um, in Frankfurt last year for the 50th anniversary. You can talk about Kubrick, you can talk about filmmaking, um, design, science fiction, um, technology, artificial intelligence, the future of our planet, the future of space travel. There are tremendous film programs looking at the influence on Stanley Kubrick of different earlier science fiction films and the films that came out of the work that he did. So uh, it's a really rich program, and uh, we're honored to, uh, again, be here with these long-term partners, and we hope, given that we have an exhibition space in Frankfurt that's quite similar in size, we think that over the years, we can develop some projects together and be here more often and have some of the content that's created here delivered over to Europe. So uh, looking forward to all of that. And thank you again for being here this morning.
4: Now, I happen to know that John and maybe Mike and Mark have gotten to see it. I'm not sure, but let's weigh in with our impressions. Those of us who saw it before the virus hit,
7: is is the exhibit still there? I wonder.
4: I think it's still sitting there.
7: Well, it's kind of because they've been closed. Uh, they haven't been open for a year. You know, going on a year now. They had a lot of uh, interesting artifacts that are just, um, you know, if they're still there.
4: <laughs> John and I were there, opening night, I think, in order to meet Katharina, who was attending the opening next screening of 2001 and I tell my little story. So I wanted some, I wanted Katharina to sign something for me. And all I could think of was I like, have this jacket at Kubrick, not the real one, but it's exactly like the one he wore at Barry Lyndon with the orange lining. And uh, I think as soon as she glanced at me with this, with this jacket on, she thought I was a real nutty fan. and she was also she kind of avoided my gaze (laughs) Uh, (laughs) she was very hard pressed uh, because so many people were hounding her but yeah I wanted her to sign it with a marker but I never felt the time was right but John you of course you knew Katharina from attending her drawing sessions
9: yeah um I'm trying to think back that far. Uh, Let's see, there was, I I was actually there the day before too for the press briefing. Um, So we got a private tour beforehand, and it was interesting to see how the exhibition had changed over a couple days. Kind of like, they were kind of like trying to find the right spot. One of the things I remember was Katharina telling me that when they unboxed that chair in the lounge for 2001, like she just had to touch it and all the um, curators like, oh, don't touch it. But no, she, she had to touch it, you know, <laughs> to feel the fabric, but um, uh, what else? Yeah. So I remember we trying to get, I didn't even get a chance. I just gave her like a bottle of uh, clockwork orange from uh, my hometown. There's a, there's a orange uh, an orange liqueur called uh, clockwork orange. I was like, Hey, here's this. and It was re- really cool before she went up on stage. Cause she had recognized me. From uh, visiting her uh, ex- well from visiting her her uh, art fair and uh, being a student of hers for oh just a brief weekend with her mother and um, before she went on stage well she like she gave me a hug. Because she's like she because she was she was busy like going around to different groups but like then like she just like she stopped all these people and like she ran up and she gave me a hug and it was really nice. Aww, yay! Yeah, But I didn't like I I knew Marco had to get that sign but like I had a flight I think that night <laughs> as like leaving out because I had to get like to South America, but um, I remember we were trying to get that signed, and I didn't even have a chance to like get her my bottle until like the very last. time I was like, "Oh, here, take this." And then someone else came up with others. Like everyone was like, like giving her stuff, so I just said, "Okay, we'll have a good time." Thank you for coming. Uh, we were we were thinking of going. Well, she really likes Stephen Colbert, and I had gotten actually tickets to it, and she'd really like. She was like, "Oh yeah, if there's some way because I could ever like get in the Colbert show or something," and like yeah. I, I don't have connections, but like your media contact, maybe she can figure out a way, but it was just like, you know, such a crazy time with the, like, I think uh, when I was there, it was um, uh, the mayor who was on New York, but it's the election season basically. So there wasn't a lot of time cause there, there were, they were doing the democratic debates uh, airing those live and then he would go on. So it'd be like, there'd be no time for guests basically. Cause you had uh, Colbert commenting on the, on the de- democratic debates, but uh, yeah, I had invited her to go and it was funny because she couldn't, because they had already arranged for her to go see, um, what was it? Uh, the, to kill a mockingbird. She went to, she went to go oh, see kill a mockingbird. Oh, the
5: play. The play yeah.
9: yeah. Cause she loves Ed Harris. So she went to go see that. I had actually had tickets to see the next day, but uh, she went to go see that. And I was, it was funny when I was standing in line to go see Colbert that night, they're like two kids. I, I was thinking, oh man, she should have been here because the, there were two kids behind me. And when I was like, oh, like they're talking about like this really difficult situation. And the guys, no, that's just like a clockwork orange. It's like, oh, have you ever seen clockwork orange? Goes, oh no. And so like they're having this like, t- discussion <laughs> on clockwork orange. And I'm thinking, man, you should have been here just to have like that random experience of like two people still talking about clockwork orange, you know, <laughs> this many years on.
4: But, well, the so- exhibit looked great. But we had no time to really enjoy it. Dan Richter also gave a talk. Yeah. It was great seeing him there amidst everything. And I know some of our SCAS members, or at least one of them, contributed to some of the models that were used in it.
9: We also got uh, the 2001 uh, book there when I was there. And uh, when I showed it to Dan Richter, he was like, oh, this is the book I wrote the I wrote the uh, intro for. And he was like all excited. And- did,
5: did he sign it, John? Did he sign it?
9: He signed mine, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, that was Simone and Filippo's, right? Yeah, that's the yeah. book we gave them. Yeah, yes. we We're we
9: were, we we're trying so hard to get them to like stock that there for Filippo. Yeah, so when you went through all that work. I don't think, I don't think uh, anyone really got to see much of the exhibit with the, with the um, pandemic. But I, I, how long do you think that was open for? Like a week or something?
4: No, well, well, it was January, that. and I don't think it shut to the end of February.
7: Okay, so it was about a month. Yeah, no, it was around March, Mark, when everything shut down in New York. Too. And none of us got yeah. there
4: before then.
7: You know, and um, I went back once just to uh, – I loved the Moviola, you know, the editing machine that they had. That was really special because that was the one that he did 2001 on, and uh, I really appreciated that. They also had some screenplays that were kind of, um, you could page through them. They were on like a screen. Do you remember that? No, I didn't see it. Yeah, they had had, like, um, I think they had Napoleon the screenplay for Napoleon. And it was also, it was annotated. It was some, like he had written some things, you know, on the pages and, um, you know, I have to, I wanted to go back and actually read the whole screenplay, but I never, you know, things, um. I never had a chance to do that, but uh, it was an incredible exhibit. Actually, I hope it's still there. It would, um, especially this year because of the monoliths, disappearance of the monoliths. <laughs> yeah,
4: we'll get to them at the end of the call.
7: You know, I think there's some sort of connection here with everything. Uh, oh, Yes, it, it is. There is a connection.
4: Well, I guess we should <laughs> move on because we're Yeah, it's just falling sort of behind. sad
7: that it kind of um, was aborted I really think it would have grown in stature the longer it it kind of went on. And um, yeah, it's a real shame.
4: Yeah, it would have been a big thing for them and us. One of the things we're proudest of in SCAS is Kubrick's Universe, which is produced by Stephen with Jason Furlong. And uh, they dropped a number of episodes of it this year. So we just want to mention them as they came out. And the first one, Uh, was on Barry Lyndon to bring Leon Vitale and David Morley together again for the first time after the filming. They had never encountered each other since 1975, and we did as a surprise. Hello. Hey, David. Hi. (laughs) Hey, How
6: are you doing?
2: Good, man. How are you doing? It's Jason. Not too bad. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> I've got uh, yeah. I've so. got Stephen on the line, Stephen Rig. Cool. I've got uh, James James Marinaccio. Hi
4: there. Okay.
2: Hi James. Hello. And of course, I've got hi, Mark. James. Mark Lentz. say hi, Mark. Hi, hi David. Mark.
6: Hi there. Everyone okay over there? Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool.
2: Isn't yeah i have i i do have one other person uh on the line with you uh but under no circumstances david morley do i want you arguing with this man over a pencil leon say hi oh dear <laughs> <Leon>.
10: <laughs>
4: good, grief. good grief good grief
10: oh my this god is like
4: uh this is uh 45 years
6: 45 years on or something yes absolutely. isn't that insane yes, that's insane my, my god, god how my... amazing Well, you mean you're, you're still an awkward little bugger
7: are you
4: yeah of course
6: <laughs> of course i am
4: and proud, yeah, proud. <laughs> uh Stephen, are you are you there
6: yes, that, yes any it, thoughts it was a great uh a great episode was that um Episode 32. Yes, it was it was a great idea by uh, uh Nick. Are we calling you Nick or James? Mm-hmm. Nick's is easy, we got too many Jameses. Okay, Nick. <laughs> uh yeah, great idea, and that episode worked out quite well. As yeah, it was um it doesn't seem like a, a year ago. Was it January? Yes. Oh, yes. It was, yeah. The twenty-sixth. Did anyone else on the call now hear that episode at all? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> I think it was one of the shorter ones, wasn't it? I think it was only maybe a 30-minute episode, that. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic that it worked out really well, and it was great to hear Leon and David uh, being so surprised.
5: Who arranged right. uh, Stephen, did you arrange that? Were you, did you contact, like, uh, uh, David and... and and set up that or who uh, i was just curious i was just curious uh, well
6: well james came up with the idea nick came up with the idea and uh, <laughs> i think pretty much jason uh liaised with both leon and david uh,
11: okay. yeah what we did was we had um a call similar to this we're doing right now where we had a whole bunch of people from the facebook group um for kind of a i think it was a year-end uh kind of call And and then we had each person. We had Leon on the call and we surprised everyone with um, having Leon talk to them. We didn't tell anybody that Leon Batali was there and we surprised each person. We talked to each person separately. Right. Is that how it did? And then in in each one of them, we said, oh, oh, there's somebody we want to introduce you to. And we put them on with Leon so that you guys were arranging. And I, I just said, why don't we do while we're doing this? why don't we have David and why don't we have, surprise Leon with David? Yeah. Yes. We made that, and you made it into two different, uh,
6: That's kind right. of yeah. together, yeah, so,
11: but you added them in the separate shows, even though we kind of did those
6: together. Yeah. So Leon, Leon uh, called, well, we called, we connected Leon with 10, 10, I think we had about 10 SCAS members on the call. So he spoke to them all individually. And then once we'd finished with the SCAS members, I think the final call in that, on that, uh, session was Leon calling David speaking to David. Yeah, and then we split it into two episodes. So I guess uh that was episode 32 where it was Leon and David. And then one of the um next episodes was uh Leon Meets Skaz. Yeah I was on that one. Uh yeah let's so actually we have a
4: couple of these in a the row. On January twenty sixth we had Gerald Freed. I was the third smallest kid in my high school <laughs> Yeah, you, you get your growth because I never got past five eight.
2: I'm five seven on a good day.
4: Oh, good. That's why I like <laughs> you. Yeah.
2: You get you're you're taller than me. You could probably still take me out with a, a one two punch.
4: Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm ninety years old. I'm down to five foot three and a half now.
2: It's coming. I know it's happening to me already. I I just turned forty eight.
6: All right. Hey, All right. Just, I'm enjoying this.
4: All right. Well, all these episodes are great. Uh, On 219, we did uh, a new book by Jeremy Shinovsky after Kubrick. And uh, that was a really fascinating discussion.
11: What's the the theme of his book?
4: It's about Kubrick's influences on subsequent uh, filmmakers, Mm -hmm. which uh, Jeremy argues is very extensive. Uh, I think it's a collection of yeah, it's a collection of essays, a lot of different contributors, and it's a really good. Uh, again, another great episode. I described it as a box of chocolates for Kubrick fans because it's just <laughs> so much great stuff. Now, continuing on, uh, on March sixth, we did our 21st anniversary show. I mean, of his passing. These are all pretty moving. I'm trying to remember how we did this one. I think we
6: had a lot of quotes. Yeah, James found some quotes from 1999. Do you want to talk about that, James, how this show came about?
11: Anniversary.
6: This was the one where you got the quotes from the uh, news group.
11: Oh, yeah. Oh, so this is back – this is that one? Right. This is back in 1999. I first got a computer and the internet in 97, so I was just learning. <laughs> and, um <laughs> You know, I wasn't, I think, yeah, I was in the um, alt movies group, alt Kubrick movies. So back then I was just videotaping everything to do with Kubrick. And and, and when I got the internet, I had already been doing that for years. When I got the internet, I, I started just copying things. And at one point I said to myself, why the heck are you doing all this? What's going <laughs> What are you going to do with this? I, just I have just this voice in my head that said, I don't know, maybe, maybe there'll be something good. <laughs> so there, I don't. There's a, another one aspect of stuff. My, a lot of stuff I save that I'm hoping to use someday. I don't want to uh, spoil the story on that. But on this, we, I said to Steve, I said, you know, I had when Cooper died, there were all these message boards and like forums and things like that, and I saved screenshots of pe- people just came on. And, and made comments about their feelings about Kubrick passing. And I made a whole bunch of screenshots from it. So I, I said, "Why? maybe you could do a show around that. Assuming Steve would say, oh, I don't know. And he said, that's great. So we uh, just, I wrote a little script from that. And we had a whole bunch of people. It was like, you know, Bob from Bob from Schenectady. And Sven from Sweden. Whoever the people... Were on these boards from nineteen ninety nine. We we read their comments, but we got somebody <laughs> to do each voice. You could explain that part better. We we actually found people from Scas and other places to actually do the voices of. Them. So we had if we had fifteen people, we that we were using their quotes. We
6: found fifteen different voices, right? And we actually and we actually yeah found yes. one of the original people to do his ho- to do his own voice, which yeah, was quite good. <laughs> uh, but, the, but the other fourteen, I can't remember if there were fifteen, uh, however how many there were, but everyone else, we, we found people who uh could kind of emulate the original quotas based on their name. If they sounded a little bit French if their name sounded a little bit like a French name, because in some cases we didn't know what part of the world we were from. So we'd find someone who had a bit of a French accent in Scas to recreate that particular person who posted the original quote. Uh, I think there was a couple of uh, original quotas uh, people who quoted on the uh, original message boards from Italy. So uh, Filippo, our Italian scaz friend, uh, did it, the voices for two of the Italian people. So that was one of my favourite episodes to work on, actually, because it was a real kind of, uh, kind of a proper production, really, where we got almost actors to do voices and things, and it all came together. It was like uh, a
11: BBC radio show, it felt like.
6: Yeah, it was a really good show. It's a really good one to listen to. That's probably a good show to, uh, if, if ever anyone was going to start listening to the podcast, that's maybe one I'd, I'd point them at first, because it's a very, it's a, it's a very moving episode in itself, but it's also a nicely produced one. And yeah, great idea and well executed. I own. would say they're all very well produced.
4: Uh, Steven adds in a lot of music. He does a lot of work on them. And I, yeah. I always feel like I'm in Kubrick's universe for the duration of yeah. the podcast. It is, a, it is one of the
5: best podcasts I've heard, Stephen, Seriously.
6: On, well, on Kubrick or... Just in general,
5: I mean, I get a lot of podcasts, but it's like you guys put a lot of production on this. (laughs) I see the stuff in NPR, and it's like I don't think it's as well produced as your stuff. So I'm just saying. What's NPR?
4: Yeah, the Um, uh, content. National Public
5: Radio does a lot of podcasts and stuff like that, and and there's you know, and and Mm -hmm. like I said, they're supposed to be the benchmark here in in uh, in in America, and I think that the podcast you guys put together is is as good as any of I've heard. So thank you. Yeah, that's just my field.
6: That's just my field.
5: Maybe because I'm biased. The the subject matter is <laughs> me yes. more than, a, you know, it's like... You are, you are automatically engaged. Yeah, right. I don't want to hear about farming in Wyoming, so maybe I'm a little bit more <laughs> you know, focused. And, you know.
6: right. I, I think I actually put, because I'm kind of a, a filmmaker who doesn't right. get the opportunity to make films, um, I think I, I kind of use my filmmaking creativity in the podcast. It's a way I can get that kind of... Um, um, need to create yeah. i think so yeah so that's that's filled a nice creative gap for me as well as producing the uh, the podcast be it only audio rather than visual as well yeah right right let's do two more uh, in april and may so leon
4: uh gave us an absolute ton of time and uh you guys talk with him forever he was extremely generous So this is the first of, uh, I think, well, we can have four episodes. Is that right, Stephen?
6: What, from the Leon interview? Yes. Uh, I think it might be six or seven, actually. Wow. That, that's based on, we did, we did three calls. We did, we did the two marathon calls with him, which were about three and a half hours each. And then we did the follow-up one that um, we did for the Meet Scaz and meets David Morley. So from the original seven hours, we've only put two episodes out. I think there's another five episodes from that original seven hours to come. I've, I've split them down into films. The first episode that we put out was all about Film Worker. The next episode was all Barry Lyndon. Um, I think that's all we've done. And then the next one's going to be him talking about The Shining, then about Full Metal Jacket, then about Eyes Wide Shut, and then a general one. So, yeah, that, what's that, seven, maybe seven episodes? And for
4: someone who seems so shy in Filmworker, at the beginning of Filmworker, he's become a very good interview with all kinds of stories.
6: Yes. Oh, yeah uh so we've got and, the rest of his episodes in the archive uh so they, they're they going to be coming out forever <laughs> <laughs> okay and then in may actually
4: uh jason came along with me to that opening night premiere specifically to see care to try to get him to he jason did a lot of work to get care to be on our podcast so this is the first uh Reward from all the work that Jason did is this great interview with care and it's before 2001. So it's care talking about his career leading up to 2001. Also, he's a great interview. Uh, Stephen, yeah. any thoughts about this one?
12: Yeah, we
6: did that over two uh, sessions as well. That was just, um, we interviewed him on the phone, like we do with everyone. It's always on the telephone. Um, And that was in the early stages of uh, lockdown. Um, We did two sessions with him. Uh, Probably did maybe four or five hours again there um, over the two sessions. And uh, yeah, he was great to talk to. Um, He had some great stories. And I think he appreciated being asked at length about his career minus 2001, i.e. everything else, which we covered everything. I mean, we we didn't speak very long, you know, considering we spoke to him for five hours, we didn't speak very long about 2001 and Space Odyssey for two reasons, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, One, to keep him from having to repeat and repeat and repeat these stories. And secondly, because most Kubrick fans have heard all the 2001 stories from Kia. So we did cover a lot of ground. Um, with projects he'd done other than two thousand and one, and I think particularly the first episode was covering movies up to two thousand and one, including David and Lisa and um uh, the bunny lake film um so yeah, that were great uh and I think we've got um so we've put two episodes out, the first one was before 2001 the second episode that went out was 2001 and we've got another two episodes to come in the future excellent okay so i'm gonna
3: I have a question but... about here if i might
4: Hmm.
3: it was
6: in the thin blue line wasn't
5: it the the, the a documentary no a war movie
6: the war movie the malik
3: no, no, that's the Red Line. The original, the first one, early 60s, before 2001.
0: Oh, yes, yes, he oh, was.
3: It's in, yeah. oh, it's in Red that's Line. Sam Fuller. Yes, 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 thank you. Oh. Yeah, that was too. a good movie as I remember it. Violent. Is that Sam Fuller,
7: the director?
5: No, it's... Uh, oh, uh, go, go ahead, Mark. Go. Go. Sam Fuller did the Big Red One.
6: Yes. Okay. right, like, yeah.
7: yeah. Great good film.
5: It's a great film.
6: Oh, wonderful. Great, great film. film. That was like 1981, wasn't it? Yeah.
5: Yeah.
3: Nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Andrew Martin or Andrew Martin. Pierre delay. Jack Warden. James Philbrook, Kieran Here and Three stars. What? Yeah. What year was that? Sixty four.
5: Yeah. It was from. Uh, uh, what's? It? I can't remember the author. Uh, he did. He wrote. Uh, I think it was. I think it was James Jones. That's it. James Jones. Yeah. He wrote uh, from here to eternity. So yeah. yes. I still found I still found Malick's version better, but I, there was something. There were a lot of good things in uh, Martin's yeah. version.
3: Well, Malick's version was war was tragedy. It was a terribly downbeat, sad movie. Whereas, yeah, you know, I, I don't think anybody would have allowed uh, the studio probably wouldn't have allowed a downbeat anti-war movie in '64 at the.
5: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you take it in
4: context, Mark. Yeah, you're right. All right. Well, on 412, Kubrick by Kubrick, released on French television.
6: Well, I mean, a work of fiction, you have to have conflict. If there isn't a problem in a story, it can almost by definition not be a story.
7: A good story that you're making in a film is a miracle. And, you know, it's very hard to work miracles.
0: And if Stanley trusts you, if he trusts you, you're all right. If he doesn't, beware. We did 105 takes on this thing, and
11: take two was perfect.
6: I've never done more than, say, 15 takes before in my life.
11: Directing a movie, if you try to do it properly, is
7: not always fun.
4: Anyone see it? Have thoughts about it?
9: Uh, it was, um, I thought it was a really good, uh, I mean, it was one of the best documentaries I think I've seen, like Kubrick, but I think that was because it was by Kubrick, right? Um, so yeah. it was taking his words and voice. I thought it was, I thought it was a very well done, very well shot uh, documentary. I can't think of anything like new or surprising in it for people who know things about Kubrick, but uh, it was, it was a good, solid documentary on him. And I I think it's one of my favorite ones just to like introduce someone to Kubrick yeah, just because it does rely so much on Kubrick speaking
7: himself. Is it it on YouTube or any other? Not yet. Not
6: yet. No, it's probably, I don't think it's really been widely distributed yet. It, it was a French um, a French uh, documentary, wasn't it? Made, made in France by, um, yeah. by A-R-T-E, ARTE. Yeah, ARTE. Yeah, there's
1: a sort of Franco-German production.
6: Yeah. Right. Um, and I actually uh, timed, I went through it and timed how much Kubrick was talking on there. So it was an hour-long documentary. I think, he to- I think we heard Kubrick's voice for 22 minutes. That's what kind of nerd I am.
5: <laughs> I'm not seeing a problem, Stephen. So, you know.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so James. That was, that, was
6: that was basically uh all the audio of Kubik's voice was taken from various uh Michel Simont uh interviews over the years uh, which he recorded. Most of the interviews that Mich- Michel Simont um Rec- uh, recorded went straight to print, uh, so it was the first time we'd really heard the original um, audio recordings of Kubik's voice. I think.
4: Oh, we have Maria. Hi
6: hey. Maria.
13: Hello, sorry I uh, couldn't make it earlier. How are you? Hello. Good. Welcome. Hello, thank you.
6: Hello. How are you? Very good.
13: Uh, How
6: are you? I-
13: Fine. I'm freezing. Nothing to compare with you guys, but it's pretty cold for Mexico City today. Ah, Mexico City. Now, uh, yeah,
4: Maria, jump right in. If uh, we're going through the year, and we've got up to May. Jump in if you have any Kubrick recollections. I know you can't stay long.
13: Uh, I, Uh, I don't have any recollections of this year. Other than like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's been like a, a haze all year.
9: Well Maria, you posted all that stuff on the on the monolith, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, we'll get
4: oh, to, you
13: know the what? <laughs> Why don't we do
4: the monolith since Maria's here? <laughs> Even though it's in November. Any thoughts about I was the monolith? Not the,
13: <laughs> I was not the only one. Oh my goodness. Come on, guys. <laughs>
4: that was the story you just could not
6: stop no yeah, oh,
13: yeah. anybody could stop
6: <laughs> we had to stop hundreds of posts uh exact replicas of the of your post
13: really we let, we let you
6: through maria
13: what we Tell let you your
6: post through but we had to we stopped hundreds everyone was I trying know. to post about it um <laughs> I think James Sherman and uh, Mark were more in control of the uh, monolith posts than I was. Go
5: ahead. I loved loved
6: the monolith. I'm
5: obsessed with it. (laughs) And I think the reason why is because the default position that the entire world took was Stanley Kubrick's vision. (laughs) And I thought and again it goes back, some of you heard me say this a thousand times. I'll say it again. Stanley Kubrick inhabits every square inch of human civilization. I know. Okay. <laughs> I love the monolith. Okay. I mean, even though it didn't even look like the monolith,
13: right? Everybody defaulted to Stanley Kubrick. Okay. So exactly. I, exactly. There was no way that you, you could post it anywhere or, or on Twitter or whatever. And everybody had uh the same reaction. Oh, that's the Kubrick monolith. Yeah. <laughs>
12: 2020 may go down as the year of the
8: monolith. <laughs>
11: <laughs> yes.
8: Yeah.
11: I stopped reading. There were so many articles. I stopped reading them all. So the first one in Utah was had been there for a while when it was discovered, apparently, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what did these people do? They dug a hole at three feet and then and stuck this slab in and then...
13: It was, it was an art project to promote a group. I forgot that there was something people. It was like a group of artists doing this, and then they uh, sell the, the thing. I don't know for it was like a serious amount of money. And then people was, just started copying. There was one in Romania, one in California, another one. But, but apparently it was the same people. This, this,
12: I'm waiting for Banksy to, to do his version of
5: it. <laughs> well, yes, excellent, and Yeah, good idea.
6: <laughs> there has been one, about 120 monoliths discovered around the world in oh, November wow. and December, according to Wikipedia, which I looked on really? last week. There's 120, 100 odd. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't really count them. I just scrolled and scrolled and scrolled. <laughs> all over the world, all discovered in November and December. We've only really been exposed to four or five on the news. But if you look at Wikipedia, they're all over the world. Well, have a look at
1: this. On the right is an image from the sci-fi movie 2001, A Space Odyssey. On the left, well, that is a giant shiny monolith that's been discovered in the Utah desert. Government biologists tracking wild sheep populations from the air spotted it, but no one can really figure out where it came from.
12: Well, um, what, a, what a tribute to 2001 and Kubrick. <laughs> Yes. Too bad they didn't <laughs> get any money. <laughs> it, it's a pity they vanished uh, at Costco or I would have brought one home. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. A great k-
4: Christmas gift.
12: Yeah. It was great like, stocking stuffer. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I loved it, that Katharina. I loved it that Katharina embraced it. She absolutely. She was like when it first, the first story first broke. She actually posted on her Twitter feed. You know, it's like, hey dad, are you listening? Or something. It was something along that. <laughs> <laughs> she embraced embraced the matter. <laughs>
7: <laughs> was a great ambassador for the Kubrick legacy? Absolutely, she's a wonderful like- lady.
13: Oh, you know what? Also, what also Kubrick moment there was, with the X Dragon thing on space. There was a, uh, was there was a video of the the thing coupling with the other thing, and somebody put the the, the two thousand one theme on it, and and Katrina was like was delighted with it. It was because it was also it, it was like perfect. Exactly the same, not the same, but you know, it was that thing that you saw and you immediately thought, "No, you know, this is 2001 done in real life." Well,
12: it's much better that the that the focus of 2020 was the monolith rather than a clockwork orange. <laughs>
13: <laughs> I would have liked it. You know? <laughs> and
12: and I'm not completely
5: throwing out that it won't be when we do it. <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm with you. Just monolith. You're the monolith. That's I, that's... Wait for it.
12: <laughs> I'm waiting for someone to, to send back a, a photo from the moon where, the, where someone has put it up there as a joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> All
4: right, James Sherman, I want to turn it back over to you. Uh, we're up to 523 on our little list.
5: Okay, and that was the great 40th anniversary of the release of The Shining. I was there that day. I was there for opening the opening day. It was a matinee. I skipped school. I skipped, that was my senior year in high school. I skipped school. And I will admit in public, okay, when I first saw it, I didn't like it. Okay. Now, of course, 40 years later, I believe it to be one of the great masterpieces Of cinema, okay, and I do believe it is the greatest horror film ever made, but it was interesting, and I had a lot of reaction and I think we had a discussion about that, Ian if you remember one of the times we were talking about The Shining, a lot of people sort of kind of had that same experience, that The Shining was so confounding and it was so in D- d- uh, complex and, and just on so many different levels you know messaging on so many different levels I think I was 18 I didn't get it okay it took me several years it took me 12 years to finally see what the genius it was and then what's really special about it for me was that it became even more special over the years since 1992, that, that and now it's it's moved. And I was joking with Ian. I said, uh, Ian, and the the, the, your, the group, okay, Scott's uh, group has turned. You know, it's now in my top ten favorite films of all time. So it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, it moved way up the list. Okay. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, like when sight and sound does the uh, best films, you know, the top 10 films, it's like, it's moved up there. So I remember that. Well, I mean, it was like, it was such a great moment. So I always celebrate it as a celebration of my
12: ignorance as 18. So. I have to credit this group because just listening to some of the insights Mm -hmm. and the details in, in The Shining and then having seen the exhibit when it was in San Francisco there were just elements in there that were absolutely brilliant yeah. and that is such a fine level of detail that it, it required the kind of dissection and documentation of this group and I, I think people are going to be looking at that as well as 2001 and others for years
5: yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's no end. You're right, and I think there's no end to what is is up there on that screen for that film for that Absolutely. two hours and twenty minutes. It's just there's oceans that are still remaining to be discovered. You
1: know, uh, my initial reaction was exactly the same as yours, James. When I saw it, I thought, "What's this about? This is this is rubbish." And uh, you know, it's, it's changed over time. I mean, it's just amazing the way the film has a life of its own. And you know, when you look into it, you get more out of it.
5: Yeah. and for me I think it was like it really made me appreciate Dr. Sleep oh I'm joking I'm joking
0: <laughs> please
5: please Dr. Sleep was horrible it was a horrible film and, and, what, and what killed me was was that they were boxed into a corner because Stanley Kubrick is the vision of The Shining end of the discussion you know, he is the universe's vision of The Shining, you know, and it's like, and I, I understand and I never try to get into the arguments about Stephen King and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's like, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, 40 years later, I have, Maria, you got something to say here. So go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no,
13: no, go, no. Finish and I'll
5: just, go like, yeah, I was just going to say, it was like, if they had made Dr. Sleep directly from Stephen King's book, it would have been a fun movie. Okay, and the stuff that's in the movie uh, from the Stephen King's novel is actually the best part about it. When they delved into trying to recreate the The, the, the Shining, Stu Kubrick's version of The Shining, it was deplorable. It was off the rails, bad, you know. And it was like, I mean, the the the, the, the Overlook. They made the Overlook one of the greatest sets in cinema. Okay, look like a haunted house from from a high school you know a Halloween haunted house right you know so uh, yeah I, I just had to throw doctor sleep out there because it was like you know it just was such an abomination you know just uh, and i'm not you know one of those guys that you know oh god cuz i'm i am i am a Stanley Kubrick fan okay you know have some respect so yeah i just
12: well the- yeah, i had a i had a different reaction when i when i saw the shining the first time yeah and cuz it made the the hair on the back of my neck stand up <laughs> and there were only rare other i'll say horror mystery type films that did something like that um the haunting of hill house or something not hill house uh, i can't remember that uh where the it was haunting. a black and white film where robert wise robert the wise camera, the,
5: haunting. Robert
12: the haunting the
5: haunting the haunting yes. the haunting
12: one of my favorite horror films because you see nothing but you, the terror is there and and i, I felt that in the shining um so it, it was just you know series of horrific things, and, and among this architecture, with a very muted soundtrack that just built and built. And I I loved the film as much as it terrified me. And and I, and I thought yeah, Jack Nicholson's performance was over the top. But there were just those details even back then little details whether it was the, the photograph or or certain visualizations before I could really get into the cinematography of it it just stayed in my mind from that original viewing it sounds Absolutely.
6: like it sounds like you got it instantly whereas I'm in the camp where it took many years to really appreciate Shining yes
5: yeah I think Stephen is because we just didn't we have never seen anything like it yeah, we, we never, and we were sort of like it was like going to the to the to the uh, hotel room at the end of the universe in two thousand one. This is just nothing. We yeah, we needed something like that just to be connected to such a complex film as this. And the thing is, it took maturity and time. Yes, you know? in, and we're obviously very, harder was, than the rest of it. So I was you
6: very know. immature in nineteen eighty. I really was. I, was I was 10 years old so uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were I, probably
5: more mature than me at 18 so
6: yeah I, I got it on video. I first saw it on video when I was maybe 15 16 in 85 86 <laughs> and I still just had it on the shelf and kept trying it again every few years <laughs> and it weren't until probably the age of DVD where I started thinking yes this is a good film I knew it was yeah kind of thing yeah
5: Yeah, but I I think Anne is smarter than the rest of us. You have a question, sir? Well,
12: when when I was in college, I actually ran the films, which I don't know if Mark remembered, but if you remember the films in Irvine, that's what I did. I I ran that whole film selection. So I've done a lot of films um, of of different types over the years, so I did have some appreciation of it. And I still remember meeting trying to remember, it was my junior or senior year, somewhere somewhere in there, uh, was someone who had uh, I liked very much because I thought American Graffiti was a fabulous film. <coughs> and he was going to be coming out with this kind of Cowboys in Space type thing. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure ah, it was ah. going to come out. And I still have the original poster sitting here.
6: What, Star Wars?
12: <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> wow. But American <laughs> Graffiti. But so, so yeah, I did have some appreciation, particularly because if you're developing a film viewing for, for a large audience and you're looking at the films and you're seeing their reaction, because a lot of, and you've seen it before, but you're seeing reaction. So maybe that's why when I saw The Shining, it just hit me in certain ways. And also by that point, I started school as an architecture major. So seeing yeah. that architectural element to it. Maybe that's why I saw it a little bit differently.
0: Yeah.
5: yeah. Um, uh, 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 Mark Lenz, yeah, gentlemen, the, the iPad person, I didn't get your name.
10: Yeah, this is Jerry First. How are oh, you?
5: Jerry, hi, Jerry. I'm sorry. I just, I didn't get your name. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's go right. ahead,
10: Then You had a comment? Uh, yeah, for me, living in South Florida uh, and watching The Shining uh, when it did first come out, we here have a very unique experience because uh when the caretaker was in, in South Florida taking his vacation, they interrupted the, they interrupted the scene with Channel 10 News. Yeah. So you're sitting there watching the movie when all of a sudden you get this break where it's like, wait a second, are we in a movie theater? Or are we, are, where's, where's Channel 10 News coming from? Uh, that was a great cut. That was a great the, Uh you know, and I, I hear all the accolades going on, and, you know, my reaction seeing The Shining several times is the fact that you've got at the very end uh, I mean, it, it comes out to me that it's the ultimate ghost story uh, the haunt, ultimate haunted house, and so at the end of the movie, you know Jack Nicholson's in the, in the picture from the 1920s so, uh You know, that's what kind of, in other words, what kind of a time portal uh, or or, or something else is happening here. It's kind of like part of my observations. Um,
4: All right. Well, we'll be here until 5 p.m. if we don't get moving. (laughs) Uh, Next, James. James.
5: Uh, let's see. What was the next after the twenty third? Uh, oh, Ian! Ian, just give a plug for Ian. Releases the games, the uh, the games room book. It's uh, still not. It's uh, 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 Ian. If you want to just mention, just
1: brief. Uh, yeah, that was back in June, I think. I put it up on Kindle, and uh, uh, shortly after that, I had uh, uh, some hard copies made. I mean, it's not. Yeah, although it's sort of available, and there's an ISBN and everything, it doesn't have a uh, sort of world renowned publisher behind it, but uh, uh, but you know it's it, those who've been reading it have been giving some favorable feedback, so I'm very pleased with that. And uh, yeah, it's all about the shining and how my, my interpretation of it being a puzzle. Uh, and uh, I've done uh, several years of research into it, so there's a lot of background to it. I know Stevens uh, uh, read it uh, or uh, to be more precise, read, read a an early draft of it, which was about two years old. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, uh, so th- th- there's the new version out now, and uh, uh, I think Mark's downloaded, and James, your, your your version's on the way.
5: Really? Oh, fantastic! Thank you. <laughs> all right. How much do I owe you? Uh, we'll talk. Oh, about no,
1: that we'll, 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 we'll <laughs> worry about afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
5: thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm looking so forward to do that. You've changed my life, Ian now if you can get me to quit smoking it would be perfect <laughs> so, c- cool Yeah. I'll, and I'll definitely maybe I'll give a review uh, 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 you know when I get a chance to read it we'll have one of these and I can give a review and uh, maybe other people St- Stephen if you wanted to as well you know and just encourage everybody to get this book you know it just sounds exciting to me so yeah well yeah. I, I need to
6: read the, I need to re- read the latest version of it and then we'll probably do a, uh, an official podcast where we uh, interview you <laughs> That'd yeah, be great. that'd be great. Ian, that'd be fantastic. That'd be great. Yeah,
1: yeah. uh, I'll get in touch with you, Stephen. We'll, I'll get, get a copy to you as well. So Lovely.
6: Okay. Okay. Can, can oh, you yeah. sign, sign it this time, please? What was Sign it. sign it this <laughs> time?
5: Oh, yeah. Ian, did you sign <laughs> your copy to me? <laughs> really, yeah. Uh, uh, Send it back. I'm going to Don't
1: we'll get... worry about that, James. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, if I sign it, it'll devalue it. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Okay, guys, moving on. Uh, let's see, James. James, you, uh, James Nick, uh, You. Did the uh, the Kubray interview.
4: Yeah, did can you, you tell us about that, James?
5: Yeah. Um,
11: that, was, has that been, you mean the podcast? Has that been put up already? No, it's what? not
4: up, but it did happen this year.
11: Oh, that's what, so L- talking about the podcast, up to this point when we were talking about podcasts, we were talking about release dates. There's many, all the ones that we had mentioned before had actually been performed in 2019 or earlier. So they're talking about, I actually talked to, um, geez, I'm so, I didn't know I didn't you guys be bringing this up. I, I forgot his name. Oh, okay.
4: Well, we talked to, yeah, I forget his name too, but he does the little Kubri figure. Yeah, so, like a, <laughs>
11: uh, Whatever his name is. So some guy within, he's in Spain and uh, he's on SCAS, but he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't, he's kind of, in the background, he—I see him giving likes here and there once in a while, but he doesn't talk too much. And he makes this little—if um, I had done this, I would have had a, a photo ready. But he does these little, like, two-inch-tall rubber figures of, of Kubrick, and it's—he oh, yeah. and he shows them and he sells them, and they're the, the detail in them is amazing. And he does other ones on his website. He has Steve Buscemi. He has, um, a a lot of other interesting characters, and the detail is amazing. You have to really look closely, zoom in on the picture, or, or hold the little figure up to up to your face really closely. And it, it's a it's a remarkable job that he does. So he took a picture of Kubrick, I think from the set of Barry Lyndon or something, with his big green parka, and he has it one hand in his he has uh, his hand in his pocket. And he's got a book. I mean, it, it's just amazing. So I actually painted it. They come in, they're so small that he can't really, they're they're one color. It's either one is orange or one is, you can get an orange or green. So we just talked to him about his process, how he makes them, why he, you know, why he chose to do them and how he makes them. And it was a really yeah. interesting call. And Wes Calamer, who you may know from SCAS, was in on the call because he, years of, he was the first person to buy them to buy one, and he has gone all over America to various sites that have some connection to Kubrick films, such as the real hotel. The, the, what is it, the Stanley Hotel? No, there's, three, there's the Stanley Hotel, yeah. the, the one, the, the one where, they, that, where where King wrote the book. Then there's another one where they use the exterior shots where Jan went on second unit and took the exterior shots with that of the overlook. <laughs> what is that one called? I forget. Oh, the, the
5: uh, um, um, yes. yeah, Mount Hood. What's
11: that? Lodge.
1: That's
5: it. That's it. My and mom then, has been there. And
11: then there's one uh, with an Indian name with, um, I think it's in California where they got the inspiration for the lobby. The Awani. Yeah. The Awani. So he went to places like that and he was, he would take these amazing photographs and he, uh with the kubri and he did this he would like get down on his belly and get this shot that made the kubri look like it was six feet tall somehow he made these incredible photographs where he would get this low angle and and the kubri would be in the forefront and whatever the the location where he was going was in the background and it made the little well i think he had like a four inch version and it made it look so much better. And he did it every every six months or so, West would pop another one of those pictures on SCATS. And yeah. uh, so I said look and so we got a West in on the call. And um it was, it was
5: yeah. We need him we need him to do that to one of the monoliths. Uh <laughs> the guy might be good.
4: Alessandro Randy.
5: Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, okay. On, on June 27th, we had the first Kubrick hour, uh, uh, for that year, I guess, right. Correct. Mark. And, uh, that's when we, uh, interviewed, uh, we spoke with Elizabeth Jaffe, who was, uh, did a uh, Yaffe, did I, Yaffe, did I pronounce her name correctly? I coffee
4: I, with Yaffe.
5: Yeah. Coffee with Yaffe. And, uh, she was the producer of, um, um, film uh, filmworker. She was one of the producers of Filmworker. And that was a great that was kind of my first sort of you know Kubrick meeting online and it was fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating. So that wasn't
11: the first one of the year. That was the first one ever. So Mark,
5: we we've oh. talked
11: on Zoom and Skype before. Yeah Mark decided to give it a name.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let me run through them now. Uh starting from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, there's one good thing that came out of the pandemic for me, and that's the Zoom calls. Yeah, like we used to go to different places and see Kubrick films. Uh, but when a pandemic happened, we couldn't do that anymore. So we just started Zooming.
0: Zoom, just one look, and then my heart went
4: And uh, we tried different things as we've gone along. I met Elizabeth at one of the uh, film festival screenings of, and uh, she gave just a great interview. And uh, since then, we tried yeah different things. One is take a movie and study it. Uh, then we highlighted The Shining at forty. We had Jeremy on again. Uh, Oh, and then Jorge gave a wonderful presentation on Leonard Wheat's book that's now out of print. And uh, authors giving presentations works very well. We've had a couple of them. Oh, and another good one we did was everyone showed something personal to them that had a special Kubrick meeting. And that brought us some really good stories. Same with the personal favorite moments. Uh, oh, and then we got into The Shining, and are discussing it at a very deep level, and we've been doing that. For
5: yeah. Talk about looking a, for the a lab- good month. Yeah. yeah, really. Talk about looking in the middle of the labyrinth with that one, right?
4: <laughs> and uh, we'll be continuing with it. It's very interesting because when you're talking to people in person. You can ask them very pointed questions and understand better and more quickly what they're trying to get across. Uh, our favorite books about Kubrick. And uh, then we had Ian give a presentation on one aspect of his thinking. And uh, then we did Full Metal Jacket. No, I'm sorry. Then we did Young because we we're
7: none of yeah, us really knew me. what
4: Young was about. We tried <laughs> to understand that. And then, yeah, we had Rob Vatcher come on. And kind of open our eyes about ways you could see Full Metal Jacket that I had never considered, such as uh, them being the mistake squad in the second half of the movie. They make the squad makes every possible mistake right. that you could make, according to Rob, who has been in the military. So we're learning a lot. We want to try different things in the next year. Uh, anybody has suggestions? We're very open to them, and we're going to try to do them every Saturday. And I really look forward to them every week.
1: Are, are they actually available um, to, to view? the? I'd love to go back and look at last week's, actually, from from what you said.
4: There's a bit of a backlog. Right. <laughs> so they, they will be available. Uh, but you're recording this, audio. Yes, we're all recording them. Right. Yep. And they will go on our YouTube SCAS channel. And uh, this one will be available quickly, at yeah. the podcast.
6: with that we did get right. we did get one episode um we got the, the first one with um coffee with the offer. We, we've, we've got that one out on the channel haven't we
4: yes yes he's the only one who's up there uh james let's skip to eight eighteen.
5: 18 18 yes was the um the, uh, stanley kubrick the american filmmaker a biography by uh david let me see if i can do this mckeeks did i mckeeks Mikix, Mikix, Okay, all right. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And uh, Stephen's there, he's Got the book. It's fading in and out mysteriously uh, with his background. <laughs> <laughs> is that a proper
11: biography?
5: <laughs> that word sometimes gets it's uh,
11: misused. Is that a, 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 does it talk about his childhood? Is it is it a
6: discussion? It's of part soul?
4: of the Jewish Live series, right? And Stephen, you've
6: read it. muted. Who's read it? Well, I've got the book in my hand, and I've had it for several months now, but I haven't read it. I think it's got
4: some good reviews, some mixed reviews so far.
11: They call it a biography. We don't know only, There's only been two full-life biographies, Baxter and Labrudo. I'm curious if this one is just talking about his film career or about the man. Let us know when you find out, Steve.
5: But anyway, that came out this year, and that was that. That that's on my list. That's on my Amazon list. So I gotta, I've got to get that one. So uh, maybe I'll do a review of that when I finally get to read it. So we could probably
4: have David on as well. Oh, Um, that'd be great. Yeah,
5: that'd be good. Maybe that would be a good one. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Now I want to go through a couple, a couple more Kubrick universes that came out around this time, (laughs) and starting with Adrian Bush, Uh, Stephen. He had a yeah. lot of good
6: stories. Uh, so, yes, that, w- that was a great one. That was a lot of fun um, during the actual conversation back in 2018. And it was also a lot of fun to um, to to put together in the edit as well. Yeah. Uh, Adrian was a good laugh. And he was kind of one of, the, one of the people. We spoke to a few people who've worked on the movies, but I suppose uh, that's worked on the Kubrick movies. But I th- Adrian had kind of a different take on it, really, because he was kind of... Um, you know, it wasn't a star name. It was kind of a, um, an extra playing one of the, the uh, many Marines. So he could afford to tell some quite tasty tales because he wasn't worried about being kicked out of the, <laughs> kicked out of the movie business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that was, that was <laughs> great. Yeah. And then uh, the next one, Mike
4: Scott. Yes. <sighs> Who made his own 2001 spacesuit that was a very interesting how-to from a model maker's point of view
6: i think that was another uh, character that uh, you and jason met back at in at the uh, 2001 uh, exhibit at the beginning of the year that's where um jason uh, hooked up with mike to get him on the show and that, and that was a really interesting um episode as well yeah brilliant He's good guys Mike.
5: Let's see. Um, moving, let's see. Oh, just a brief, you know, on, on in September 2nd, we had Wendy Carlos and her biography was released. Again, it's another uh, on my list at uh, Amazon. So hopefully I'll get to read that soon. Uh, big fan of Wendy. I think she's a great artist and her contribution to, to cinema is, is, is very profound. So. Yes. Let's see. Uh, oh, and I haven't bought it yet. But the Full Metal Jacket was released on 4K. Uh, does anybody have it? Does anybody have the copy yet? No. no. Uh, 4K. Yeah, the 4K. Of Can 4K. I
11: ask a question about 4K? Sure. Yeah. Okay. What? Why is 4K so great? What is uh, what, what, and it is how advanced is it over the? Previous iteration.
5: <laughs> well, it's more expensive, so obviously it's got to be better.
12: Yeah, that's well, it. I, then I don't need it.
5: <laughs> no, um, somebody can explain that who knows more technical information than I do. Higher oh, resolution. It yeah, it is a higher resolution.
11: Okay, so it's it's it's, it's the, the the image uh, res is
1: more uh, sharp. I, I'm no expert in this, but I believe that this, sort of, the current Blu-ray is 2K. And the 4K obviously doubles that, uh, so you get a, you do get a sharper image, but you need to have all the gear to play it. Some, somebody bought me a 4K uh, copy of uh, Blade Runner, which I haven't been able to watch yet because I don't have the gear. But uh, it's supposed to be about as fine. I think the next stage up is 8K, whereupon you're actually getting beyond the level of the human eye anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh,
5: well, there'll be a group of hipsters there will be a group of hipsters in the upcoming years who will insist that the original uh, 2k or 1k <laughs> or whatever it is was really the best one and um and they'll buy old machines to play it on so anyway sorry guys yeah, and i
9: also i, I think they're uhd um, stuff too which is like a higher color gamut. So supposedly it can do better color accuracy. And I think that's more important than the resolution really, but personally, but um, yes. that's, that's the only thing that is interesting is it, it right. has a, like a larger
5: color gamut. Mark, right. you're going to say something, Mark. We can... Well, most 4Ks, if
3: not all of them are rendered from the original prints. So you're getting the uh, as close to the color timing and the, uh, the, 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 tone of of the cinematography that the director originally wanted. So since Stanley was so meticulous in how his movies were shot and the lighting and everything, if you take a 4k from an original print of say Barry Lyndon, you're looking at the film as, as close to the original screening as you're going to get on a TV screen. Right. So if, if it's 2k, you're not, it's not degrading the movie that much. But the difference between a 2K and a 4K or a predecessor of 2K, which is like, what, 1080p or something, uh, you're, you know, it's a major upgrade. It's f- fairly substantial upgrade in the color, the resolution, and I guess in all cases as well, the sound. So you're getting the whole nine yards yeah. in Just- your living room rather than yeah. go to the theater.
5: Yeah, I believe also did did not Mr. Fattali work on those on the four K restorations and uh, I believe he did. yes yeah. yes he did
3: he, he, I think he said that in um, in the uh, Mark lens didn't he say that when we had him there at the uh, yes yeah
4: yeah uh, okay. James James yes. you have a question James James M Nick comment um, the uh, release of Full Metal Jacket on four K
11: was also noteworthy because Matthew went on with Crazy uh, promotion tour of sorts, just popping up all over the place promoting the 4K. he was doing interview after interview after interview, which is pretty interesting. I mean, I only listened to a couple of them because it gets repetitive. But it's already 33 years from the since the movie came out, so yeah. an opportunity for more people to see the film. And there was one uh, interview I, I it just I found it so funny. He was on the Rich Eisen show. Uh, He's um, a sportscaster here in America. And he uh, he has a a radio show, which is also on TV. And when the show opened, he was saying, and one of our guests today is Matty Modena. I'm so excited. I'm just such a big Kubrick fan. So I put that on. I actually took that out of the show and put it on on my YouTube channel. because His producer just started... Saying uh, uh, I don't, I don't watch those movies, and they had this whole extracting debate about the nature of cinema, and he was just saying how great Kubrick is, and he's just a master in the history of cinema, and he's like, oh, I don't watch And the other guy was saying, I don't watch those old movies. Who cares about these old? Movies? <laughs> schooling him, and the the guy was actually like forty. I had to look it up to say how. I thought he was like twenty two or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's always, you know, people who're forty who think movies are mainly are old movies and won't watch them, which is a shame. And so sometimes these new 4K and then there'll be 8K and then there'll be 16K. At least it's an opportunity for people. It gives people an excuse to watch something.
5: Yeah. Um. One of the things I wanted to mention, Mark, was the uh, one of the uh uh um uh the the Kubrick universe uh from uh the 30th of September. It was with uh, Gay Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Do you want to just mention a couple lines about, you know, how that went?
4: I thought it was such a treat to be on the line during this call. She's such a nice person compared to her character.
7: <laughs> I have taken the ribbon from around my neck and hidden it somewhere on my purse. If you find it, you can have it. You are free to look for it anywhere way you will. And I will think very little of you if you do not find it.
2: Well, it sounds like you've told us uh, about your part in that scene where uh, you hid the ribbon down your top, and uh,
6: <laughs> left one, left the right one.
2: Yeah, People yeah. Were
6: it really was funny. That's, I wasn't laughing.
2: <laughs> right, you were being very professional.
4: Ha ha. Ha ha. I cannot find. You have a look problem.
2: Your your character does instigate quite a lovely kiss with Redmond at the close of that scene, and and it's 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 a very poignant moment. It's a very beautiful one. We're just wondering what it was like uh, to perform that, and if you were forced, as it were, to do many takes.
0: No, no, it, I, I I don't think I minded. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. If you were well, we're not, we're not talking some some
9: of the some of the scenes in the very old days. You, you wouldn't believe I'm talking about televisions and other things I did.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Where
9: you wouldn't believe what the
0: actors did to you if they were kissing. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't
9: happen anymore.
2: Right, right. Why are you trembling?
0: Pleasure of finding the river. You're a
9: liar. I think Ryan was um,
0: pretty good on that because he was so under the vigilance of Kubrick. I think he had to behave.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course.
4: I think I didn't. I did. I think he was delightful, actually. And he was going to be coming over. I think it was a couple of years ago. And I would love to see him again because we definitely got on very well, you know.
3: Mm.
5: I thought she was very engaging. I thought she was lovely. I would have loved to have been in the room with her, you know. Or at least, in, in, you know, I mean, it's like she just seems like I've seen her interviewed in other places as well. And she just comes across as a very unpretentious, really kind. And I liked her stories. She had some really good stories.
6: Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah.
5: yeah, she did. She was. Uh, yeah. A lovely lady. Very much the lady of the of the highest sort. Didn't she keep a little. Yeah. Box she kept notes from that contemporary.
6: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she had a, She she wrote a diary. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> which is which was what she used to uh help her with the recollections yeah because uh 45 years ago she's in her 70s now um but i actually i ended up arranging that interview with her because i i I met her in uh london last year last year yeah 2019 i met her in london bumped into her at um a a film festival and uh we swapped contacts and uh yeah that was uh amazing that uh how that came about really how that interview came about
5: so let's see moving on real quick so we can get through this um let's see oh uh, on the 7th of october we had the 60th anniversary the release of uh, spartacus so that was a milestone in mr kubrick's career obviously a lot of uh, anniversaries this year the shining uh you know spartacus uh f- um Um, going towards the end, there's the 45th anniversary of the release of um, uh, Barry Lyndon this year as well. So um, let me see. There was also on the 7th of October, it was announced that uh, Ridley Scott plans to film Napoleon with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. HBO has been trying to do this Kubrick script with director. Carrie, help me with this, Mark Lentz. I am such a
4: anyway i've never seen it
5: yeah okay so, so uh, really yeah hbo's been trying to do the kubrick script with uh the, this director with a japanese name i can't pronounce uh so uh but apparently now ridley scott i guess has jumped in front and he's going to be involved in that we'll see if it happens it's uh uh but that's the latest news um let's see on the 15th of october uh room 237 pop-up experience opens in chicago And so anybody have information on that? I've heard about it, but I don't have any details. No? Yeah, okay. That happened this year, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, as we already discussed, a mysterious monolith is found in the deserts of Utah. Its origins are completely unknown. But anyway, uh, yeah, and uh, we've talked about that. Uh, Let's see. Oh, a classic, and and Nick, uh, James Nick, uh, fantastic on you, uh, the National Registry from the Library of Congress announced it's, it, it, it's an annual editions and a clockwork orange has been added. And so now I think we start to fight to get Barry Lyndon added to that. And that should happen. That should happen. But I know, James, you had a lot to do and a lot of work that you've done on that to try to get that, you know, and and, and promoting uh, uh, that, you know, we go to the websites and make those votes and things like that. So good job. I personally think you are personally and completely responsible for that.
4: So. Yes, here, here. Yeah, let's
5: right. um, uh, on the eighteenth, just today, yesterday, uh, Stanley Kubrick produces by James Fenwick is released, and I, I, I'm sure we've all seen it now since it came out last night. But, uh, <laughs> we, we see there it is, there it is.
1: Uh, Stephen's got the book there. Okay,
5: and um, he,
1: he I, would be he would be great to have uh, on a, a podcast.
6: Uh, Mr. Fenwick? Fenwick.
1: Yeah, James Fenwick.
6: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, is, it is very good. Am only i um, I'm only a quarter way into it. I, I started oh. reading it this morning, and it is a good book. It's a good I, book. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't recommend things very often, but I'm already recommending this.
5: Guys, guys, I can't afford to be a Stanley Kubrick fan. So, uh, but <laughs> <Yes>.
0: I'll,
5: work, <laughs> I'll work on this. <laughs> no, no wine tonight. No wine tonight. I'll get that book. It has a different feel than
11: all the book ever had before. It's just about him being a producer.
6: Yeah, yeah, it's a great great angle. I mean not everyone will probably like that angle, but for me it's a it's a good angle um, that I haven't say yeah. I haven't heard before. I mean you you've heard the general gist of his producer. Oh, it but he it concentrates
11: on him as a producer
5: and not a
6: director. Yes.
5: Yeah. That fascinates me. That seems like a fascinating <laughs> but like you said, Stephen, it, it never been explored before. It's a new territory.
1: Yes. You know, yeah. It's great. And, and James is—I uh, I know James—and he's a—he's a, he's a really—he's uh, a really good guy who I'm sure would be really good in a podcast, as I say. So yeah. might want to bear him in mind.
4: Uh, Stephen was on the ball with these recent Kubrick auctions of memorabilia. Oh yes! Can you give us the rundown on them, Stephen?
6: Yes. So I kind of uh, follow uh, movie auctions. Um, in September this year. The prop store in LA uh, auctioned off two or three uh, Kubrick lots, uh, and then in November, Profiles in History, which is a, I think it's California-based auction house, um, they sold some items from Spartacus: uh, Lawrence Olivier's tunic, Charles Lawton's tunic, and supposedly uh, Kirk Douglas's actual hero dagger. Which I'm dubious about that one because I've seen I've seen it a few times in various places as the as the official Kirk Douglas one. Uh, so that was in November, and then in December, Julian's Auctions again in, in the states had a very interesting um, lot, which was a briefcase, uh, like a 1960 style briefcase, and within that briefcase were three. Kubrick items so the briefcase supposedly originally belonged to Kubrick it had a return address in there saying if you find this uh, briefcase please return to um, I think it was Elstree uh, one of the studios in London um, which pointed towards Kubrick with the address um, and also in there was um, a couple of audio cassettes like the old reel-to-reel uh, recording cassettes one was I think a 1971 interview regarding uh Clockwork Orange, and there was another audio tape in there. I think to do with 2001. I didn't take much notice of those items because there was an, uh, an item in there that I was particularly interested about, which was um, a 35 millimeter film reel, which was supposedly outtakes from eyes wide shut So, so the lot was basically a briefcase with three reels in there: a film reel and two audio reels. And that didn't sell. It had a I think it had a four thousand dollar starting price. The highest bid on the night was three thousand five hundred, so it went unsold. So, if anyone listens to this, if they if if they are the owner of this particular lot, please get in touch. Don't <laughs> <laughs> worry about that. I'm dying, I'm, dying see, I'm dying to see what's on that film reel from Aswadshod because it's yeah. a, an, un, an unused uh sixteen minute reel of film. <laughs> wow. I thought
11: all of that was destroyed.
6: Yes, exactly. Uh,
10: I've <laughs> wow. All the uh, outtakes <laughs> and all
6: that. Yeah, well, the and I've, see, I've, seen the f- I've seen the first frame on that reel, and it's basically uh, a clapperboard saying, I was watching up with a, d- a date, and you can see the. Uh, the interior of the costume shop behind, so there's at least one frame on there that's authentic. Oh. Yeah. <laughs>
5: okay. Be careful, though, Stephen. Be careful, so though. It wasn't all
6: burned. <laughs> yeah,
5: Stephen, you could be buying—you could be buying uh, uh, Al Capone's vault. So, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, but it would be fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Geraldo to do it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
13: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. it's true? Is there so many things? that you find kubrick everywhere on, on, on telegram the messaging system they have i mean they, they constantly take releasing stickers for the chat and it's wonderful i mean they have so many with kubrick references that it's just it's like maybe the most reference movies of of everything I find there, because they always, of course, they have the Hughes Johnny uh, sticker in every single version you can think of. And they have so many, this and Star Wars, of course. But
6: Yeah, I think amazing. that's amazing. This, huh? Kubrick and Star Wars, that's it, isn't it?
13: Exactly. There are so many movies, and they, it's always uh, Star Wars, which are very easily recognized but it's uh, it's curious how many uh Kubrick movies are referenced and and you would think think that I don't know how many people have seen a A clock orange and they can get the reference Mm
6: -hmm. yeah Yeah. I mean I I still think that Kubrick is still not widely known exactly
5: but but even his images are his images are if you said to somebody that you, I mean it's like I'll give you a real quick example it's like it's like a friend of mine who has twins twin daughters okay when they were seven years old they used to freak their parents out by holding their hands and saying come play with this mommy or come play with this dad and they had never seen the film okay I mean they had never it's just part of the culture now and it's like you're right, Stephen. I don't think they know that it's Kubrick. Everybody knows Star Wars is George Lucas, right? But I think with Kubrick, okay, it's like yeah, maybe they don't make the connection, but they know his films. They know the
6: references, and that's probably a reflection on the fact that Kubrick kept so private. The fact that he, he never became a, a person, you know, a, a, no, he famous person. himself. And, and, and it's actually quite amazing that his films are actually standing on their own merits rather than standing on a person behind them. And the
13: images are icons. Because it's like, you you see it and you know it's Kubrick. I mean, we know it's Kubrick. But other people, like they get it. Even if they don't know the name of the director, but they, it's like, they don't doubt it. It's like, they know it.
6: It's very cool, isn't it, really? It's a very cool (laughs) thing that Kubrick did there. Yeah,
11: Yeah, the, the artist, the artist is hiding behind his work.
5: Yeah, Not like, say, Hitchcock who made it, you know, and and that was to sell tickets. I mean, Hitchcock, you know, was to do it and he made himself a personality in the media and stuff like that. And George Lucas, of course, everybody knows who George Lucas is because of the proliferation of Star Wars. But the thing is, is I think one of the greatest, I think what's really cool is, though, America gets, the world gets, the universe gets the greatest artist of the 20th century. Okay, and they get all, they may not even know his name. Okay, but they even—but you know, it's like how many people go? Yeah, Kubrick. Don't even, maybe have never seen a Kubrick movie. Have said Kubrick uh, uh, filmed the, the 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 fake moonlight, right as a joke, mm-hmm. right? Even though they don't even—they might not even know what the reference is, right? So I think that's really cool. I think it's Mark uh, McKinnon. You raise your hand.
3: We ought to try to take a uh, fairly rough poll of how many TV commercials. <laughs> from pizza to cars to uh, jewelry, I've seen everything using uh, either a classical rendition or a cheesy, uh, you know, studio version of uh, the theme music from 2001.
5: Oh God, yes, yeah, yeah, there's, just the Blue Dan There's yeah.
3: there's, a, there's must easily two dozen of them that I've seen over the years.
6: 2001. I, over hundred.
3: Uh, there's a, an Excel spreadsheet in the Scars Group.
11: Of all the, I wrote a chapter for a book on the history of Kubrick in TV commercials.
3: That's right. You sent that to me. Yeah. Oh, and how many have used the music from 2001?
11: Uh, at least twenty. Mm-hmm. At least that's that's one of the most common things. Yeah. yeah.
12: You know, that's something that that we could do is we could look at 2001 <laughs> and see which technologies now exist. Mm. Ooh, the ipad yes the iPad. yeah think of think of all the various ones whether it's the uh you know we're, we're using zoom think of the telephone where he's viewing home yeah yeah there, there, there are a number of different items it's it's very similar to looking at the original version of star trek and saying oh look because actually as it turned out on the original star trek the person who developed the cell phone was inspired by Star Trek. So I'm curious now right. whether there was anything in 2001 that inspired someone. Well,
5: Steve Jobs, they're... Steve Jobs did say that the iPad came from 2001. I mean, he said that, he said that to employees. He said that in, I don't mm-hmm. know if he's ever said that in public. He said that numerous times to his employees.
1: He said it to the judge as well, didn't he?
11: Yeah. We, we actually, in one of these Kubrick hours, we talked about a scene a, a few, couple months back in, um, when, when they bring the AE-35 unit back into the ship, there are a couple of uh, kind of things that you can call advances, For one is 3D imagery. They're, they did it, they used animation, but it looks like 3D. Mm-hmm. And then there's also where he, he holds this kind of, it looks like a pen, and he holds it down to the circuitry and then the screen is showing. Yes. Right? Right. Which is kind of like an, an MRI or, or a what do you call it that men
5: have to get a 50 where they oh, prostate <laughs> <laughs> prostate uh, test yes awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> something it, but, um, yeah also the microwave I mean think about it it's something as simple as a microwave I mean it's you know
6: and art- artificial intelligence of course that was maybe yeah. the first film that covered that yeah
13: yeah how is another another icon that always comes up I mean, in any kind of, in any Twitter discussion, Hal comes up. Yeah. You know, I've, you're right, Maria.
5: So, I've, I've had 10-year-olds who say, yeah, Hal, you're, yeah, well, okay, Hal. Okay, you know, it's like, or they're trying to do something on their computer, and it's like, okay, Hal, okay. Like, I'm, I'm sorry I can't do that right now. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, Mark, I think we've,
4: I think we've we covered it,
5: exhausted it, but yeah. we covered it. Uh, you know, this has been great. This has been fantastic. Thanks for everybody's comments and and contribution to this great, you know, to this great show. You know, kind of year end. So
6: yes, yeah. Well, th- thanks, guys, for uh, organizing these, P- uh, particularly uh, Mark, who does all the uh, heavy lifting on the. Uh, on the kind of getting the word out and setting up the call. Fantastic. Yeah. And,
4: and, and Nick for doing the whole
6: schedule. Yeah. Uh, and research. Definitely research. I, I thought he'd done the schedule. Is it the schedule he's done?
7: Uh,
6: yes, <laughs> the
4: schedule.
12: <laughs> 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 I'm going to have to loop off. For a Jane Austen birthday party, not wow. us, literally. Kind of
5: cool, Anne. Cool.
12: Yeah. Right. Uh, so so nice. I just want to wish everyone a very happy and healthy holiday season. Yeah. May twenty twenty one be a year where we can see monoliths in person.
0: Absolutely, Anne. Very
5: monolith.
12: Happy holidays to you, Anne, and your KCAP. Yes, I, I did have to turn off the video because she was climbing all over me, and I didn't <laughs> want to disrupt the recording.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
12: Thanks. Have, have a good one. You yeah. too.
13: Bye right, bye, everyone. Oh, James, bye. Happy birthday. Hey. Merry Christmas.
4: All right, everybody. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.
5: Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: Well, that was cooler than the other side of the pillow. (laughs) We'd like to thank all of our listeners for their continued support and every member of the Stanley Kubrick Appreciation Society on Facebook. In mere months, SCAS will be celebrating its 10-year anniversary of being the largest and coolest resource of all things Stanley-related on the Internet. As the Kubrick's Universe podcast enters its fourth year, we couldn't be more proud or more pleased to help bring the legacy of our favorite filmmaker into a new era, one which hopefully will see a much brighter and continually stream of days ahead. I'm your host, Jason Furlong, thanking you for being such an essential part of our extended family. We couldn't do this without you. In fact, we wouldn't bother. You have kept us going, lifted our spirits, and given us every reason in the universe to keep on keeping on. Every one of you who has taken the time and interest in what we love to bring you has paid it forward. And we have more great stuff in store for you than I can even begin to tell you. So hang in there. We've got so much more to come, monolith willing. On behalf of Mark Lentz, James Maranaccio, and our producer, Stephen Rigg, thank you for listening, for being our friends. We'll see you on the other side of this slit scan, and catch up soon. Be well, everyone. Much love.
1: supposed to giggle in the solo yeah okay it's kubrick's universe we just live in it
2: we have taken very thorough precautions in this podcast against broadcasting anything which might only be
7: attributed to human error these guys aren't scientists they're making it up as they go along
0: Kubrick podcast come back soon it was real nice talking to you bye over and out
12: this show comes to you from the Stanley Kubrick appreciation society